Jesus always knew his mission. He was headed to Jerusalem. Why? Because his mission was to lay down his life on the cross for the salvation of the world. Do you ever think about this? Jesus is the one person whose sole purpose of being born into this world was to die. Well, do you know your mission? There are a lot of people who are lost today without meaning and purpose because they don't really know their God-given mission. You know, as I reflected on the gospel here, the first line of the gospel struck me that Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, and as he passed through towns and villages, he taught people along the way. Now, many of you know I'm an engineer, and when I get focused on a task, I can have tunnel vision. I get so focused on the task at hand that I can lose sight of people. It's easy to start seeing people as an interruption to my plans or even as a nuisance or obstacle. I can be blinded to the real presence of people. Well, Jesus was focused on his mission, and yet on his journey, he took time to encounter people. If you take nothing else from this homily, work this week on just encountering people receiving people on your journey. Think about St. John Paul. When he was Pope, his mission, of course, was to preach the gospel to the whole world. And yet he took time to encounter individual people. People would say when they met Pope John Paul, it was as if I was the only person in the world. He gave me his undivided attention. Now, along the way, Jesus encounters a man who asks, will only a few people be saved? What does God desire? If you want to see the heart of the Father, it's revealed in 1 Timothy 2.4. The Bible says this, God wills that all people be saved. This is the heart of our Father. He wants all of us to be saved. But God respects our free will. So Jesus is never going to force his way into your life. Now, Jesus then gives us very challenging and almost even scary words in the gospel. Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. I'm listening right now to an Audible book on the Formed app. Now, all of us have access to Form. It's a library of Audible resources, video resources. The book I'm listening to is called Salvation by Dr. Michael Barber. Well, Dr. Barber says most Catholics view salvation only as a future reality. So, well, I'll experience salvation when I get into heaven. But he challenges us to think of salvation as a past event and as as an ongoing present event and as a future reality. Now, maybe you've had an evangelical Protestant ask you, have you been saved? Well, what's our Catholic response to that? Well, we should say, yes, I was saved through my baptism. When we were baptized, we died with Christ. We died to all of our sins. Our sins were washed away, and we rose to new life with Christ. We were grafted onto Christ Jesus. We were given the gift of eternal life. All the grace we need to get to heaven was given to us in our baptism. So we can say, yes, I was saved through my baptism. Salvation, then, is a past reality in my life. But now here's the key difference between Catholic and evangelical Protestant theology. Evangelicals will say, well, once saved, always saved. But as Catholics, 
We say that the inbreaking of God's grace in our life does not destroy our personal freedom. God doesn't bind our will. God doesn't rob us of our freedom. We can choose after our baptism to turn away from God. St. Paul says we can make a shipwreck of our faith. We can fall from grace, breaking off our relationship with God through mortal sin. How are we reconciled back to the Father? Through the sacrament of reconciliation, to confession. Do you ever think about this? When Every time you go to confession, you are saved. We experience salvation ongoing in our life through the sacrament of reconciliation. So salvation is not just a past reality, but an ongoing present reality. God is ever molding and shaping us into be the saints he's created us to be. Think of a, a potter forming clay. God is forming us, configuring us to be more like Jesus. Now think about this. Jesus says the way to eternal life is a narrow gate. When another place in the gospel, Jesus says, I am the gate. The narrow gate is Jesus. It's a person. Now think of a gate shaped like Jesus. So to enter into life, we must look like Jesus. We must be configured to Jesus. Dr. Peter Kreeft, professor at Boston College, puts it this way. He says, Jesus is gradually making a new you, and the new you is Jesus. We're called to be an alter Christus, another Christ. We're all a work in progress, God shaping and molding us. Now, how are we configured to Christ? Well, actually, right here in the Mass. When we receive Holy Communion, we become more like what we receive. We become more like Jesus. And then our prayer transformers, our works of charity transform us to be more like Jesus. You know, sometimes I think Catholics get this notion that, well, I can become holy by osmosis or it just happens to me. Well, holiness doesn't just happen. We actually have to have a plan. St. Thomas Aquinas was asked, how do I become a saint? And he said, first, you got to will it. You got to desire it. You got to want it. And then you got to work for it. We have to set spiritual goals for our lives. Have you ever heard about Coach Carter? They made a movie about his life. Well, Coach Carter was a real person. His name was Kenneth Carter, and he went into the inner city of Richmond, Virginia, and formed an unbeatable basketball team. He started with this ragtag group of high school students, and how did he build them into this incredible basketball team? By discipline. If you were late to practice, there were consequences. If you talked back, there were consequences. At one point, he even benched his undefeatable team because of their poor academics. Okay, did you hear in the second reading today, what son is there whom his father does not discipline? For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. We can't become a saint without spiritual discipline, spiritual exercises. This is how we're going to grow and be configured to be more like Jesus. We have to have a commitment to prayer. I've preached many times about taking 20 minutes a day for our daily meditation. And then we have to keep holy the Lord's Day. Why would I think that I could become a saint, be configured to Christ, and enter through the narrow gate if I'm not even going to Mass on Sunday? I can't, I can't become holy on my own. I need Jesus, he says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we have to strive daily for virtue and charity. 
All these are ways we cooperate with grace. And ultimately in our spiritual life, we have to make a deeper surrender. We have to start giving Jesus control, allowing Christ to live in us. He wants to live in us. He wants to configure us to be more like himself. Jesus is the gate. He is the way to life eternal.